Sunday evening here in the Republic of Ireland and also the Great Britain, which means it's time once again for uh, the Cheshire Podcast. Uh, coming back at you here with all three members in tow after a two-man crew last week. Uh, welcoming back, first of all, Mr. Joe Towner. Well, good evening, Barry. Good evening, Paul. Uh, and of course, also joining us is Mr. Paul Griffin. Break it down. Oh my god, it's the Generation X. <laughs> and I'm also here, uh, Rick Rude in a suit. It's me, Tyler, <laughs> so in it. That's why I am. Uh, we've got a, well, what a show we've got coming up, lads. We're going to talk about wetting the baby's head last week. Which is what we say, by the way, because we also talked last week about how the term christening doesn't really exist outside of our sphere here mm-hmm. on the on the British Isles. Um, wetting the baby's head is when you get like you have a few drinks at a uh, you know at a at a christening, and also refers to the actual act of the christening. Um, yeah. It's not just like you know pissing on a baby or anything lewd, you know, like that. I mean, just uh... get that, get that image right out of your head, right out of your head. Uh, and then we also got you know telly and movies and uh, you know. All this other stuff. The usual bits and bobs you've come to expect from this show. Uh, Paul, do we have a, uh, um, a wrong the truth this week? Of course. Oh, it does. Of course, he says. It's a staple of, of every week. I tell you, we have, we've stuck with this, I think, longer than any other feature in recent memory, certainly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good, good work. Well, I mean, I think mainly Paul's doing all the work, so that helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of why the show itself even still happens, really. <laughs> You know, I, I put two, two together there, Bibbe. Um, but anyway, you know, we've got loads of stuff to talk about. Joe, yeah. where yeah. were you? What were you up to? Tell us about that baby's head. The old baby's head. Um, so, yeah, last week I went to a christening. Um, it's one of my best friends had a baby six months ago. Um, so they had a christening for the little one. Um, so Michelle and I went along. What I didn't realise was... I don't know how familiar you guys are with christenings, but they don't always just do one baby at a time. They often will do multiple babies yes. on the same gig, a bit like an impact taping. Oh. They'll do a load of them in one car. <laughs> and just kind of get them out the and way. Now, and now we welcome the 205 Live, baby. <laughs> and the loudest parishioner might get to go backstage at the church. Um, <laughs> And so I t- we turned up and I'd forgotten to take the invite with me. And as I was kind of heading into the church, there was these couple kind of welcoming people in. I had no idea who they were. And I thought we were, I thought we were at the wrong church. So I kind of like we turned around, sort of texted someone. Eventually saw my friend's uncle going in. So we just kind of followed him in. Right. Yeah. And then once we got inside, Michelle goes to me, oh, yeah, there's the other baby. I was like, what other baby? What are you on about? She's like, yeah, they're doing a few babies. I said, oh, could have told me that when I was outside, looking like a twat, wondering whether to go in or not. But um, yeah, other than that, it, it was lovely. They did all the all this usual stuff, oil on the head and all that, and the ca- big candle, really big candle. Yeah, yeah, the usual stuff. It was quite good. Um, 
Yeah, so that was all that was all fun. Um, just to say, I know you're right last week we do also call it a christening in the uk typically okay oh, yes, i think yeah. i called it a baptism but yeah pretty much i don't really know that again i'm not into all the religious stuff i don't know all the ins and outs to be honest of all, what the difference is between any of them um so i wasn't really sure is a baptism baptism and a christening the same thing is it one you know uh, branch of christianity and another i don't know maybe it's just the same thing but i've always pretty much called it a christening um so i assume that's that's it um, but yeah, that was it, and then um, a few kind of drinks afterwards. So it was a, it was a lot of fun. Very good day. Uh, to your earlier point, I also did not know about the um, multiple babies in one. In neither one did I, and I had also, uh, not only until, that. No, no. What I was going to say was not uh, uh, until I myself also was at a christening. Okay. Um, mm. Like last year, uh, I was with Kira at the time, and I was like, "Who the fuck is that other fucking baby over there?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, there's your, there's your little niece uh, getting ready to get dunked in. Who the fuck are those people over there? Um, I, I not only didn't know that, I didn't know that they wait six months to do the christening. I thought it was like a, a, here's the baby, get him in the christening before the devil gets him or whatever. But six months, he's he's old, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I I, I wonder if it's, uh, I don't know, so that they're trying to minimize the distress of the baby while still doing it while they're a baby. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't know. Months, they might be a little bit more cognizant of what's going on. Mm, six months is still yeah. a baby, mind. Still a baby, yeah. We're not, we're not, we're not, you know, we're not religious folks here on this podcast, so, we're, you know, we're not, we're not um, yeah. authority on the subject. No. Did they do bits at the christening, Joe, where people stand up, people kneel down, and you don't know what is the right time to stand up at and you're always left um, down that extra beat there wasn't any kneeling down that i remember oh. um that might be a catholic thing to punish us oh well this was a catholic one actually oh oh was it uh, yeah hmm. um they did all the prayer i didn't join in the prayers and all that to be honest <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, michelle was doing it because she, yeah. she's catholic and i was like i just nodded just saying, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Good. That's uh, fine. <laughs> Michelle, Michelle have Catholic roots. I don't know. Does that is yeah, that Mexican? yeah, Mexicans are all Catholic. I was gonna say, yeah. Is, that, is, that, is, it, oh. is it? Is it stereotypical for me to say, oh yeah, of course she's Catholic? I was like, I don't want to be racist, you know. But... No, yeah, I think they are. She said when they were having baptisms back in LA, they'd have like twenty babies on the go. Oh, like, it's because there's so many. Obviously, everyone's Catholic in that area, so it's like yeah, it's like an, it's like yeah, an Avengers yeah. film. Just have everyone in it once. Just all the ba- all the major babies, even the babies that didn't really deserve their own spin-off movie, they were getting in it. They'll, they'll be doing that. They'll be doing that in Dublin soon enough. Just more, you know, just there's more people there that we can fucking visit to any given church. Just you know, <laughs> like not even not even properly dunking them and saying saying the prayer. Just like just like just flinging water into this big crowd. And, Power of Christ! There you go. Out the door. Come on, get out of it. Get out of it. That'll just a be, that'll be Two grand each, please. Yeah, it's the giant super soaker squaring Do you have to? Do you have to pay for a christening, or is it not just a service that um, the church offers? I think you probably have to bung the old vicar a few quid. Oh, uh, I'm not 100 percent sure what the going rate is. Mm. I'm, I'm sure there's some kind of donations to the church involved. I don't think it's like a set price list. Um, yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure. Again, again, not because I wonder if the, could you shop around churches if that was the case. 
Or... I'm sure you could. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, that was good. I did listen to last week's show um, on the Monday. It was a very good show, thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, well oh, done, thanks. lads. Thank you. Um, I particularly liked Paul's story about the fish and chip shop queue yep. and yep. not knowing what's because it was a classic Paul scenario. <laughs> but I also think he was kind of in the right because I really hate when was. you get customer service people. I know it's a hard job. I've worked in retail. I know it's you have to deal with the public. It's horrible. But when they treat you like you just coming there to buy something is an inconvenience to them that you're causing some kind of fuss by coming into the shop to buy something. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't stand that. Yeah. I haven't, yeah. I haven't been back since. I also, oh, yeah. I also hate, I also hate ambi- ambiguous queuing situations and, uh, when it's not clear how you have to order your food. Yeah. I ideally want like a three step process written on the wall. Like one come here two pay here, three pick up here. That well, kind of thing. That's I what I really love about, a lot there of... was, there was, wasn't there? That was the case. They did have that, but the but the the hooligans in the establishment were not obeying it because that was it was queue this way, wasn't it? They, yeah, they had a sign that said queue this way. Oh, okay. Well, no one was enforcing the sign, to be honest. And Paul, as he left, he said, "I doesn't even know why you have that sign." To be quite honest, sire, and then he stormed <laughs> out. That's what I love about a lot of McDonald's nowadays. Have the, the the machines? You go in, you order on the machine, and then you just go pick up your food. Easy peasy. Yeah. They were a lifesaver uh, for 16 carat weekend when we didn't want to try and butcher really the burger bitter. I burger bit. I I oh god, yeah, I've told that story anyway. But uh, yeah, those are those are a lifesaver. Still haven't made it to Limerick yet. We'll get it one of these days when we get you know screens, <laughs> computers. <laughs> um, I did also enjoy the Eminem album reviews. Oh, some good. Okay. Music oh, yeah. insight from from Paul there that was very good, yeah. uh, probably from Barry as well. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, mainly mainly Paul. Um, I also liked Barry's football um, escapades um, because I think as Paul said last week, the idea of Barry playing football, even in his sort of fitter days, is hilarious. Um, let alone now. <laughs> I, I just. I can just kind of imagine Barry getting kind of blown up after two minutes and uh, whispering to one of whispering to one of his teammates, oh, "I'm finished, brother. You got to carry me out there," <laughs> and then and oh, just going like, to the finish. I feel like a pig, brother. I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there with my miserable little boulder, you know. Um, and then I then I went on a racist tirade. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I didn't go back this week, lads. I'll be honest. Um, I was like, it's a thing I might go back to at some point. I, I um, instantly you tried to go said, back. Yeah. I, I collapsed halfway there. Um, no, this week I just walked home from work, which is a, a, a seventy-minute job. Back mm, in okay. the day, um, which is good. I, I kind of realized, like, okay, I will work my way back up to maybe going back to this. But I was like, I am too out of shape to be in yeah. any way competitive with people. Like, and it's not even, games aren't even competitive. That's not even the issue. It's just. I, it is not helping myself to be this out of shape in front of other humans. Um, so I was like, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to work on this and then mm. come back at a later date. But, uh, but yeah, glad you, glad you listened to the show. show. Glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was very good. 
Very good. A lot of fun doing it as we always do. Um, but uh, onwards and upwards to this week's show. Um, obviously, Joe caught us up there in his christening. Uh, any other life guff we wanted to chat about this week? I don't have anything. Does uh, Joe or Paul anything else you want to talk about before we move on? Well, um, I just went on a little holiday with Michelle to <laughs> Copenhagen. Um, yeah, popped off to Copenhagen for a couple of days. So, um, left on Thursday, mo- very early Thursday morning. We got a 9 a.m. flight. Um, so, I had to get up at 6. But uh, that was good. And yeah, then came back last night. And so Copenhagen's very nice. It's quite a big city, but it's quite very quiet. Everyone cycles. I think literally half the population regularly cycle. So there's no kind of traffic cars, but there's no like loud buses and cabs and vans everywhere. It's all very kind of peaceful. Um, so we just had a little wander around uh, Copenhagen into a few restaurants. Uh, it was very nice. I would recommend it. It's nice. a little bit, little bit expensive. Um, you know, a couple of coffees came to 10 quid in a sort of Starbucks type place. And yeah, food and stuff's quite expensive. I don't know why. I guess it's because of uh, socialism, probably. But anyway. Probably, yeah. It's like you, you know, you're you drinking your little communist coffee. Um, yeah, exactly. On the other hand, too. yeah, unlike unlike London, there wasn't camps of homeless people everywhere. So <laughs> yeah, it's like it's and, so, and you're still and you're still paying ten quid for coffee. Yeah, yeah, swings and roundabouts, isn't it? So <laughs> oh, yeah, the homeless people in in in, in you know, London and Dublin as well are like spare twenty quid for a cup of coffee, mate. <laughs> spare, oh, spare spare fifty, so you're gonna get a panini. Oh, oh anyway. Anyway, uh, that's them, right? That's good. I've never yeah. heard. Yeah, I don't know. I've heard of anyone it's, going there as a kind of holiday destination. Um, yeah, it's, it's, nice. it's nice. Did you see the Little Mermaid statue? Um, yeah, sort of. That that was the only kind of bit we went to that was very touristy, heavy, tourist heavy. Yeah, that's all I know people. about Copenhagen is that that's there. Yeah, it's the most famous sort of icon, I guess. Um, is it was it- actually. Is it the Disney one, or is it just a generic, is it just the Little Mermaid? No, Barry, it's not the fucking Disney <laughs> one. Okay. Wow, I don't know what this is. It's, well, the, it's, uh, the Little Mermaid is a story by Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah, it's originally a story by Hans Christian Andersen that Disney used <laughs> It's the film. Oh, <laughs> This particular statue, I think it was put up around 1900. It was actually, it was paid for by the guy that owned Carlsberg Brewery. He kind okay. of donated it to the city, and it's based on his wife, I think. She wasn't a mermaid. It, she was just a normal <laughs> woman. But they based the body, the top half, on her, and then they got in a bit of skate or, I don't know, a bit of cod to base like the bottom bit on, I assume. But anyway, yeah, that was good. But, yeah, lots of people in front of it taking selfies. So. Uh, the bottom bit is based on uh, uh, Billy Big Mouth. Um, <laughs> ah, yes, yes. And, and, and similarly, the statue has a button you just press and it just goes, under the sea, and her, her fucking flat. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't know that. That is true. <laughs> did you uh, did you go to any breweries or anything? I forgot you mentioned Carlsberg. That's a, you know, obviously. Uh, it, no, like, I don't. Touristy uh, shit. Like, here's a here's a fridge magnet with Carlsberg on it. You know, a lot of that shit or... No, there wasn't a lot of Carlsberg stuff, and also not a lot of Lego stuff, considering yeah. it's, that's where Lego's from. Uh, I don't think it's from Copenhagen, it's from Denmark, but it's yeah, I thought there'd be more kind of that stuff. But actually, it wasn't a lot of really over-the-top touristy stuff. It was quite kind of serene sort of city. 
few sort of historical things and museums and galleries, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, it was re- it was really good. It was really good. That's nice. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have a holiday that's not excessively touristy at times. Just you know, soak up, yeah. the, soak up all that. Yeah. How about you, Paul? Any life golf this week? Um, yeah, in terms of life golf, we had another uh, rat uh, pass away, leaving us with just one now. Uh, sure. We lost two in the last month, so probably we'll get another Jesus. one to keep them company. Um, that's the thing with a lot of our pets that we've had lately. The one guinea pig and the other, the other rats is that they're fine, um, and then very quickly they're not fine. Um, apart from that, yeah, guinea pigs are still all good. Um, one thing that I've been meaning to do for like three weeks, but every single show I forget to do it is. Just mention uh, a quick shout out to DZ underscore designs on Twitter who made our new CSP oh, logo. Yes. Um, so big thanks to him for that or her, I suppose. I don't know if it's a he or a her. Um, but yeah, that's at DZ or Z underscore designs. They made us a lovely logo, which I put on the website and the Twitter feed and the Facebook. Um, so very kind of them to make that. Thanks very much. Yeah. I think, think uh, Mr. or Miss DZ is uh, an OTT regular, I, I think. Mm. Um, so um, go up to go up to Paul specifically the next time you see him, and there's a point in it for you, mate. Um, Only if I kick over his by mistake, is there a point? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Anyway, that's, yeah, thank you very much for that. It's a, it's a, it's a slick uh, design, for sure. Um Got us looking all professional. Um, yeah, misleading. Yeah, so that's very much appreciated. And um, R.I.P. to uh, Rat Boy. Uh, Muffin. What was the rat's name again? M- Muffin was this one. Muffin. Oh, Muffin the Rat. Yeah. Muffin the Rat. Um, yeah, that's, that's a shame. Just just the one left, is it? Just the one left. We get. No, have you been thinking of names for a new one? Not yet. Not yet. I to see what she looks like. Okay. Uh, uh, well, uh, Angel Cruz. <laughs> It's a good one. Um, uh, Joe! Um, Joe Cabras. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Pretty good. Um, just thinking of some other ones. We'll, we'll, we'll workshop it and come back to it. If you, if you have any suggestions, email them in. Sure. Do you have any good suggestions? I mean, at the end of the day, I just yeah. offhandedly said Fluffy that one time, and that, that actually got that was made into a thing, so... Uh-huh. so that got used. That got used. So there you go. Uh, let me see here. We'll move on there into our various other guffs here. Uh, who has watched a bit of telly this week? I've actually not. So who's got some telly guff they can chit-chat to us about? Rat Hardy. <laughs> um, I've been watching a bit of telly. Um so when when we were out in the Denmark, um, there, we, we were staying in an Airbnb. Um, they had a good, very nice TV in there. Uh, you couldn't get any of the Danish channels, but they did have Netflix. So we watched uh, some of some uh, some little Danish shows called Brooklyn Nine Nine, oh. uh, and a little show called uh, Queer Eye, um, mm. which not actually Danish, but anyway. Yeah, so I, I did, when Queer I came back, the kind of new generation on Netflix, I watched a couple of episodes and thought it was quite good, but 
uh, never really went back to it. But uh, Michelle likes it, so we watched it again, and it the, f- the first series is actually really good. Um, it's quite funny. It's not the same as the old one, where it's just sort of gay fellas uh, telling a straight man to put on, I don't know, tighter jeans and that sort of thing. <laughs> there, is a bit of, there is a bit of that. Sure. But um, they sort of make it a bit more kind of emotional, and it's about people who are in a sort of, you know, uh, tricky life situation, lost confidence and things like that. So it's a bit more kind of self-help as well as all the, the stuff around that. So yeah, it's really, it's really fun. So we've watched kind of most of them. Uh, we're going to probably finish it off this week. But yeah. So it's, it's a fun show. Um, if you're into that sort of thing, I'd recommend it. Good. Uh, I've never got around to watching Queer Eye, but I've heard great things. Yeah. Um, Paul, have you li- have you watched any TV this week, or have you just been sitting there with your headphones on, bopping your head back and forth, very much like Eminem in that in in his many videos? <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I watched this week's episode of Attack on Titan. But that was it. Nothing aside mm-hmm. from that. Um, yeah, as you say, I spent most of my week listening to music. I, I asked for album recommendations last week. I got seven albums recommended to me. Wow! By yourself and listeners. That's um, cool. Uh, so I, I guess I'll jump just quickly forward to partially to my emails. So I got I, one email from John, who I don't think we've got emails from before. So thanks for emailing in, John. I don't think so, no. He says, hi, Paul. Love the show. Two albums for you to try. Both big favorites of mine from the last 10 years. Um, the first album was called uh, Alopecia. is by a band called Y. And then the second album was Triple uh, X by Danny Brown. Uh so thanks for that, John. Um, and then I got an email from Scott the Boy McAvoy, and he said, you asked for a few albums to listen to, and I have a few suggestions for you. Gary Moore, After the War, Billy Joel, The Stranger, Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet, and Fort Minor, The Rising Tide. And of course, Barry also recommended me on last week's podcast. Uh, Good AM by Mac Miller. So I've listened to every one of those albums, some of them wow. mo- more than once. Hmm. Okay. So I'll go through them in no particular order here, okay? Uh so the first album that was recommended to me was on the podcast Mac Miller's Good AM. Mm. And um I think of the seven that was probably the one that I I liked the least. Um Aww. that that being said, I didn't dislike it. I think I liked all seven albums that I that I listened mm. to this week. And that's kind of the idea of this whole project is I I feel like obviously I've had a reputation on this show for my taste in music um not being particularly good so i'm trying to uh trying to open up the palette a little bit and listen to things i maybe i normally wouldn't what i find with mac miller is that his voice is is quite typical of modern rap he's got that like very young kind of drawl that I, i just don't particularly like and i don't think his lyrics are that you know, clever. The lyrics are very simple. Um, that being said, there were some good songs. I liked, uh, I liked 100 Grandkids a lot. And I yeah. liked, uh, I think I liked the first half of Perfect Circle, Godspeed a lot. I don't know why that's two tracks. In one. <laughs> two different songs. I, I like, know. I like Perfect, yeah, I like the first half a lot. I like the first half a lot. Um, is Barry still there? Hello? Oh, we might have lost Barry. Barry. 
Barry. Barry. Barry. Barry anyway, I'll continue. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the album is very uh, sad in retrospect because a lot of it is about his kind of hopes for the future and mm. acknowledgement of his kind of his drug problems and this kind of thing. And obviously, knowing how it's knowing how it's ended up kind of gives it a, a bitter taste retrospectively. But I think aside from that, it's just kind of a, a by the numbers white kid rap album. You know, it, I, I didn't think there was anything really exceptional about it um on the other hand then you have uh triple x by danny brown so i've i actually know danny brown he was easy i i I knew that one music video that was shot like a like a sitcom with the the couch in the center of the Mm. so that was that that's what i know him from uh, I don't believe that whichever song that is is actually from this album. I think that's from a more recent album. But um, yeah, Danny Brown is is definitely a lot compared to Mac Miller, for example, a lot more loud, a lot more aggressive as mm. a rapper. Um, quite Ooh. kind of an abrasive sound, but I I quite liked uh, I quite like this album. Um, Die like a rock star, I liked a lot on it. Um. What was the other track I really liked? Sorry there, I think I got disconnected. I'm back now. You're okay. I, I think I quite like Detroit 187 on it as well. Um, but maybe Danny Brown's not... If, if you're like me, if you're a little bit new to rap, maybe don't jump too feet into Danny Brown. Because <laughs> it's is, is not very accessible. It is very loud, very aggressive. But I actually quite liked it. Um, uh, then we have, let's say, After the War by Gary Moore. Gary Moore is the former guitarist of Thin Lizzy. Okay, so that yeah. name didn't jump out at you. Uh, and After the War is not so much Thin Lizzy sounding. It's a little, because this came out in like 1989. It's way after Thin Lizzy. But it had bits of like Iron Maiden sound to it. Bits of Led Zeppelin sound mm-hmm. to it. Um, and yeah, I thought it was quite good. The, I think the best song on it was... Um, the Messiah will come again, which was um, sounds a little bit like Parisian Walkways, which is I think his best known song. If you if you know Gary Moore, you probably know Parisian Walkways, uh, which is a song he did with uh, Phil, and I think you can find on YouTube pretty easily. But yeah, I quite liked it. It was a little bit um, a little bit on the long side, and some instrumentals that were quite long. But generally, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, then we have Fort Minor, uh, the Rising Tide. Fort Minor is, of course, the uh, side project of the guy from Linkin Park, Mike Shinoda. Oh yeah, it's yeah. yeah and it's this this this, this is the album that has the um, remember the name, fifty percent, twenty percent. Remember the name. Yeah. Um, I think that's mm-hmm. that's like the standout track on the album. I think otherwise, actually, I think maybe this. I might have even thought this was a little bit weaker than in the Mac Miller album. Because um, it starts off well, remember the name. But I think, although the music is good, because obviously it's, it has that Linkin Park kind of sound to it, I think his lyrics are very, very basic. Like, there's one song, um, Kenji, on the album, which is about his Japanese roots and how the Japanese in America were kind of being persecuted at the time of the Second World War. And... Um, like I think the last line of the 
song goes something like, um, in, in that place all cold and damp, it was an internment camp. And I was like, that's just, I, I, the message is really important and really uh, sad, but the way you've done it is just so, so too simple. That it, there's no kind yeah. of artistic flow to it. It's just like what a 12-year-old would write. Um, and a lot of songs have that kind of problem to them. But yeah, it was a, f- a good try, but I didn't, wasn't mad about it. Um, Billy Joel, The Stranger, uh, a little bit of Elton John to it, a little bit of um, The Beatles to it. Because obviously I haven't listened to a lot of Billy Joel outside of what you know what he's best known for, Uptown Girl, Piano Man. Uptown and Girl that. and Repeat, yeah. Uh, so this one has uh, Moving Out, which probably you will know. The Stranger, which probably you will know. Scenes from Italian Restaurant, you might know. It's one of those one of those albums that has quite a few songs on it that you might recognize, but that you wouldn't know that you necessarily knew or that they were Billy Joel. Um, but yeah, nice a nice um, easy listen. I think one of the songs towards the end, I can't remember which one, had a little bit of a Paul Simon sound to it as well. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was very good. Uh, Slippery When Wet, Bon Jovi. Um, actually quite enjoyed this one. Um, Maybe actually. Don't act, like, don't act surprised that Bon Jovi produced bon, a banger. Bon Jovi a, a little bit, a little bit um, camp. But yeah, it, it's very, very, you know, hair metal. Even the song, like, it obviously has You, you Give Love a Bad Name, Living on a Prayer, Wanted Dead yeah. or Alive. They're all off this album. Um but I think actually the greatest album of all time. <laughs> I think my favorite song in the album was "I Die for You," which was like a really, really rocking hair metal song that I was just nodding my head away to, tapping my feet. And um, yeah, it's a bit camp, it's a bit silly, but I thought it was really good. And then we come to the best album of the week. It's Alopecia by Y, which is a band I'd never heard of. <laughs> A real thing, is it? It's a real thing. <laughs> it they they've got a bit of a Interpol sound to them. So if you like Interpol, um, a little bit of a Smashing Pumpkins sound in some songs, I would say. A little bit of uh, REM, maybe. Um, it's like it's like indie rock, but with a, a rap kind of influence to it. And mm. uh, I thought it was really excellent. I, I listened to this album like three times during the week um so i think that was john who recommended that one so i was really really happy with that uh, i'm going to check out more of this band they're uh, an american band called why that's with a question mark they're an alternative hip-hop and indie rock band out of cincinnati ohio and uh yeah that album alopecia was really good so thank you for recommending uh, that to me, and I recommend it to all our, our listeners now. Go check it out; it's on Spotify, um, and it's really, really good. I was really, really impressed by it. And that's all the music I listened to this week. That's good. It seems like you had a good week of, uh, of recommendations. Yeah, good stuff. So keep them coming. Uh, I'd be interested to get a recommendation from Joe this week. Um, okay, I'll send you one over. To get a, an album, because Barry gave me one last week. Yeah. Get one yeah, me. and you tore that apart. So. I didn't tear it apart, it was just a little... Once spitting, twice shy. Yeah. Spitting on poor Max's grave. 
you know. Basically, yeah. Yeah, we're led. Yeah, I mean, I think I think his 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 lyrics and his you know and his flow. I think it is kind of straightforward. Um, but I also think it's, especially in hindsight now, you know, with his death, it's like it, a lot of it's very earnest. It's true. Uh, it's very open. Uh, yeah, it's very. I was saying the thing when you were disconnected. It's very sad. Listen to now where he talks about. He wants, to, he wants to give his mother a grandkids, and he wants to, yeah, you know, a lot of stuff like that. I want to, I want to listen because I heard that was kind of his fond, most fondly regarded album until even before he died. He put out a his fifth album, and that was, I think, the most acclaimed one he's put out. Swimming, right? Um, that's, that's not my recommendation because I actually haven't listened to that yet. But I want to, I want to get to that soon. But, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a fun exercise, and I hope maybe the listeners might. Uh, might throw you a few more recommendations um, uh, in the coming weeks uh, at Paul Griffin CSP as well on the old Twitter if you want to reach out that way. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't want to be listening necessarily to seven albums a week, but if there is one new album I can get a week, I'd be very happy with that. And we can probably go from here into the uh, game guff. Uh, I believe this podcast, uh, as cool as it is, now houses two platinum trophies for Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4. Yeah, we live in a post-Spider-Man world, Barry. We live in, we really do. We really do. Um, so, like myself, you you finished the game 100% I have. Uh, uh, this weekend. Um, I was a little... I was kind of a bit worn down by the time I got there, but I was so close, I kind of... Um, I persevered. I I, I kind of got tired of farming the the crimes that you have to do to get that. Yeah. But uh, all, all in all, I I thought that the the strengths greatly outweighed the uh, 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 the weaknesses. Uh, and I you know, as jaded as I was by a lot of the the repeatable stuff in the open world, I still think that these the strength of the core mechanics pulled me through and hey when, when you when you enjoy a game enough to actually bother platinuming it i think that's a testament to how how fun it must be so i i really enjoyed it i i i don't know that it's going to end up being like my favorite game of the year i, I don't think i enjoyed it more than god of war or, uh, or even even on rush i mean i think i might actually have enjoyed more but 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 a really really well made game and a really fun game uh, yeah very much enjoyed yeah, I think um, I'm having a weird reaction to it now that it's kind of done and finished. And that I, I almost feel the same way I did when I finished watching Breaking Bad, where I loved it, I beat it, I was happy, but I'm kind of getting a bit sick of it now. <laughs> I'm sick of hearing about Spider-Man everywhere I look. Um, I've got like six podcasts that are all Spider-Man spoiler casts and talking Spider-Man. I don't know how much more insight I can really get about Spider-Man. Um, and also, the more I kind of think about it, the less of a, less of a really good game I think it is. I think, it's, I think it is very fun to play, and that's kind of obviously what holds it up. But um, I think it's very easy, which I would consider almost a negative. Um, I think it's very repetitive. Definitely. Uh, and I think a lot of the... We discussed last week a lot of the stealth missions where you're not Spider-Man are, are just not fun to play, and no. unlike the way you played it, I had a, I had cleared out the map 100 percent before the last eight or so main missions of the story, so I didn't end the game grinding out 
the last few trophies. I had those already in the bag. The last stuff I did in the game was just the, the end of the story. Um, and I was so disheartened. I was like, here we go. I'm going to finish the story. Oh, I, I'm, I'm Miles now for the next 15 minutes. Oh, I'm Mary Jane again. I just didn't want to play those anymore. I, to the, at the point that I almost just said, oh, I can't be arsed doing this now. But I, I did persevere and I did finish it. Um, but when I look back, um, I wish there was more variety to the side quests. I wish there was more variety to the collectibles. I wish the collectibles weren't so easy to find and get. Um, because I mean, it's way back at the start of the game now, but I think of like the backpacks when I found them, I was like, Oh, this is great. But retrospectively, I wish there was a little bit more of a challenge to find them. Like not quite to the difficulty of the Riddler trophies from the Batman games, but something along those lines where you don't literally just have a marker on your map. And also in the user user interface that tells you exactly where it is. And you just climb up the wall and grab it. I wish there was a little bit more to it that like maybe like what infamous, did with the blast shards where it shows you kind of the general area where it is and you need to do a little bit of exploration or something just you know something um more than nothing um and yeah i mean the story i thought was really good i I was actually a little bit underwhelmed by the the ending and when i say ending i mean the what the last 15 10 minutes of the game um as i said i kind of wished all the boss fights were a bit more difficult I, i beat them all first time within a like yeah. five minutes <laughs> i wish it was a little bit more difficult um that said i thought the the ending ending like the very very last thing you see i thought was excellent and i i'm very interested to see where it's leading in in a potential sequel um but yeah i mean i would when this game was coming out i was kind of waiting for the reviews to be like nine out of ten ten out of tens and then the first one I saw was IGN gave it an 8.7. And I was like, ooh. But I think I would probably fall in around 8 out of 10 range myself for it. I think um, yeah, I think mechanically it's great. It's very fun to play, like swing along. Fighting is very fun. Um, but the framework of the, the game they've kind of put around that, I think, was a, a less stellar effort. Um, I feel like the story is too... Um, front loaded like the first half of the story is just set up and then it kind of unravels very very quickly and like I said the ending like the last six missions is basically a boss a boss rush but they're they're all very easy so you just kind of hammer through each of them very quickly um, so yeah I mean I, I very much enjoyed Spider-Man I do have uh, the DLC already paid for so I will play that when that comes out starting I think yeah. next month um, but at the same time, I'm kind of happy that I'm not playing it anymore. Uh, I feel like I, I got my, my fill of it. I'm sure I'll have a little bit of an itch when the DLC comes out. And of course we'll play those, but, um, yeah, it definitely feels to me like a game that will, you know, historically we'll look back at it and say, yeah, it was fun, but really it was the sequel where they really nailed, you know, everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And did get, so yeah, and it was probably the easiest day. platinum I've ever got as well. Yeah, I mean, I, one thing I will say, one thing, one thing that I, I just, I do like that most games these days just tell you where the collectibles are, because it's to, to me the, the, you know, 
the challenge should be the actual getting of it, not the like you think back to like where hidden packages were in GTA. Hmm. You know what I mean? It was just like you know the blind foraging for those things was never fun to me. So you know, I, I like that we've reached a uh, a point where that stuff is pointed out, but I still generally agree the game is you know, too easy. I think if 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 it's telling you exactly where they are, then there needs to be some sort of puzzle or challenge to actually get it. You know. Um, like, like maybe you can be on a place and you have to think like, fuck, how do I get up there? How do I get to, to that place? Cause t- too often it's just, it's on a wall. <laughs> you just swing to the wall and you get it. It just, it, it was almost like, you know, in Mario Odyssey that there's some moons that are just on a tree and you go, Oh, I got it. And there's, but this, the feeling of satisfaction of getting it isn't the same as after you beat a little tough puzzle or do something, you know, some platforming that you really had to time out real well. It's just kind of mad. Oh, I got a moon. Matter of fact, um, I think the number of backpacks and so on was about right. I just wish, like I said, yeah. they were a bit tougher to get. The number of crimes was far too many because they're all the fucking same. Uh, and then the last two collectibles it gives you is just hey, ninety more of those, and you. That that was the part of the game that really felt grindy to me was just clearing out the map, doing crime after crime after crime after crime. Yeah. And um yeah. Less of those, more actual quests because a lot of the side quests again are just go to that place and fight a load of enemies. I didn't feel like I was really doing lots of different things as much as just doing the same things repeatedly. Um I did like that they kind of mixed the enemies up a little bit with different weapons and so on, you know, with the different groups uh, each. Um one problem I had a lot with the sable um mercenaries is that they have the cars that have the rockets on top right oh they're paid a lot of the time the fucking uh, targeting just doesn't let you select the thing to take the gun off and just and yeah run around circles until it appears (laughs) yeah you're, you're waiting for that l1 r1 to pop up so that you can yank it off and it's just not coming up and it's like it's a, also a lot of their bases have sniper towers you need to pull down. Same and thing. same thing again. You're like looking at it, going, "Where's my prompt to yank it down?" Yeah, um, yeah that that was fidgety. Also, I feel like I I really hate, hated that after a certain threshold in the story, when you're sometimes when you're fighting a crime and you think you you beat everyone, a second car of dudes shows up. Yeah, it's just like, oh, just let me just let me be done. Just let me be done. Um, and when it's the when it's the sable guys, I feel like even pulling off a perfect parry that gets you slow down time and all that stuff, you're still getting hit by their automatic rifles because they they fire so many shots that he dodges one, but the tracking still gets you with the, the second and third follow up. And there was mm. like a few cheap deaths. You're like, ah, this is this is a bit of a pain. But you know, yeah, overall, I I still really enjoyed it. But um, yeah, other than uh, other than Spider Man, I started into the breach. Uh, on Switch, Ooh. which is a kind of turn-based strategy game, which I am extremely bad at. I don't know how I'm going to stick with it. It's purely just I'm not that good at it. It's, I do want to get that game. I, I do want to get it. It's really fucking hard. It's really hard, and I'm just taxing my. Well, brain. it's a, it's a roguelike. It's it's yeah, it's a roguelike, and it's from the people who made FTL. Hmm. And so you are kind of meant to just kind of like die and try again. But I I was making very little progress each each subsequent run. Um. 
because uh, there's kind of a movement mechanic to it. If you haven't seen this, basically, it's a turn-based uh, 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 strategy game where you're on a kind of small grid. You play as three mechs fighting an, an alien insect force, and you're basically trying to protect the city, its electricity grid, and its civilians from alien attack. And there's kind of a push, uh, momentum-based system to all your attacks. So as well as doing damage to enemies, you're also moving them like a tile or two away from you when you attack. So as well as just taking into account your health, the city's health, and the enemy's health, you also have to be careful of how far you're pushing enemies on the grid. Because if, say, an enemy's targeting you, and your attack will knock it back one square, which will protect you from being attacked, but you might then knock them into the way of hitting uh, the city. Right. So it's it, there's a lot of moving parts, and it's one of those things that it's really just throwing you in the deep end straight away. It's a little XCOM like it's like you're you're starting the game off at a disadvantage. You really have to try and just take your time, which I'm terrible at, and and try and claw your way towards some decent upgrades, and you know. So I, I, I beat it's it's segmented into islands and like you said it is a roguelike so I think it's it's intended to be actually beating the game shouldn't take that long it's more that it's difficult and so you're constantly going back to the start I did beat one the first island of four so I made a little bit of progress uh, but it's very tough it's tough to the point that I don't know I'm going to stick with it like I said it's it's just not my kind of game but uh, I I think strategy fans will will like it a lot. Um, and one, the other thing I really like about it is that it's a roguelike and it's in-universe justification for how you die and then start over again is that your character is a time traveler. So that when you fuck up, you then see the bugs uh, crawl out of the floor and take over the universe and you just travel back in time to a timeline where that hasn't happened yet. So every time you fail, you're leaving another timeline to be absolutely ruined by aliens, um, which is a, a, a cute little in-universe mechanic. But yeah, that's my other game this week. Um, I'm not really sure what I'm going to go on to next to, to tide me over until Red Dead. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't really know. Right, well, obviously my next game is going to be Assassin's Creed um, in two weeks-ish. Um, but in the meantime, I've started playing Bioshock. I don't know if you've played that one. Say which? Bioshock. The original? The original. Yes, a good game. Yeah, I'm playing it now. I got the um, Bioshock collection on PS4. Okay, very good. Yeah, I think I think I have that as well. I don't think I, I don't think I ever touched it, but I got it. Yeah, the remastered uh, one, two, and three. Obviously, one is the most <laughs> the most remastered of the three, given that's the oldest one. Yeah. Yeah, I played it for about two and a half hours today. Um, really, really enjoying it. I don't think a game has made um, that quick a good impression on me in quite a while. I, I love the uh, the feeling of the Rapture, uh, it's called. Um, looks great, sounds great. I like the combat mechanics of having your, your guns on and your wrench on the right trigger and your powers for want for a better term on the left and um yeah just very very satisfying and really really wonderful saying and uh, i'm still do very you, do you good. think it looks does it look like contemporary to think like how good is the remaster yeah i think the only thing that feels old um is the ui because a lot of the button prompts on it are very big i think modern games are a lot more um 
minimal, let's say. A lot more small, small menus and small maps. It used to be everything used to be very big on the screen. Uh, Bioshock definitely remember, still feels like yeah. that. I remember that game kind of being a graphical milestone sure. at the time. Because not only did it look great at the time, and I'm sure the remaster looks great, but also tonally and the uh, the art design. Like it's, and I'd say that's that's like oh, probably ageless. I mean, it, yeah. it's the the craftsmanship of how of that world they made and the music. I can actually still I'm just uh, talking about that game. I'm just I'm hearing the music in my head again. Oh, it's it's a it's a wonderfully designed game, and the story is obviously very very complex. I'd be curious to see how that held up. Um, and then Bioshock. I, I never played two actually. Right. Two is like this weird thing where the Bioshock team, they came back and they made Infinite. But in between this other team made two. And it's like a direct follow-up set in Rapture and, and stuff like that. So it's kind of the, the, the red-headed stepchild. But it's it's kind of fondly regarded in its own way. Um, I didn't realize you were playing that. I'm like, that's, that's kind of making me think maybe I should bust open that, that collection that I got. Well, the thing that made me think about playing, I, I had the collection already, but that a lot of people had likened the puzzles from Spider-Man to those from Bioshock. So it seemed like a natural kind of successor. And also I was looking yeah. for something different from that third person uh, open world style that Spider-Man and Assassin's Creed both obviously are. So I wanted something different to have in between. So Bioshock was, was the choice ultimately. And yeah, I'm still, I only started playing it today, but, um, very much enjoying it. It's it's honestly, I know that it kind of almost predates the term, but it's a little bit of a roguelike in that you you constantly die, but you know the progress that you've made keeps, so you can yeah you know you you, you uh, gain new powers and so on, and you kind of take those with you as you attack the same puzzle maybe a few times. Like um, the big daddies in particular, for example, um, there's some that early on in the game. I just had to fight like five times before I'd kill them because <laughs> I would just keep getting killed really quickly. Um, but yeah, I like the I like the gameplay loop of it, and um, it's not too long a game. I think it's about ten hours, give or take. So very much enjoying that. Uh, I think that's it for the uh, the game guff. Mm. You know what? I I don't know what set me off thinking about it today, but for some reason, um, I was thinking about going back to Assassin's Creed Origins. I think I mentioned this last week. Mm. Um, yeah, just, you know, I've, I have been going back and forth to Yakuza. I'm kind of chipping away at that. But um, I think I've said before, Yakuza 6, is just it just has not grabbed me at all like, you know, like Yakuza 0, which is quite disappointing because 0 was like my favorite game of last year. Um, the, the rest of this year would have to be very quiet for 6 to like crack my top 10, I'd say, um, which is a shame. Um, and so I'm kind of looking for something else to play. And I'm looking at all my half-finished things, and I'm like, oh, I should go back to Assassin's Creed because it was great, and I didn't really drift away from it for any particular reason. Um, so I think I might, I might make that my 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 go-to for now. But yeah, more game golf next week, obviously. Uh, movie golf. We got some movies to discuss. Oh my wow. goodness! Wow. wow. Sorry, I'm, wow. I'm a little bit sick. Wow, wow, wow. I do apologize. Oh, a little bit. He says, "Oh, well, yeah." yeah. I just don't want to be sniffling on the podcast. So every now and then I try and give them blow me nose. Um, I saw two movies this week. Uh, two new releases. I saw 
a movie starring a WWE superstar. Ooh. Uh, and it Is wasn't that a one w- with Batista. It was Jingle All the Way. No, I wish. Um, no, it was. Um, it wasn't a WWE films production, but it could have been. This could have been a straight DVD. Uh, fucking thing. Oh, I know I what saw, it is. It's I saw Mile Twenty Two right. with uh, Mark Wahlberg, yeah, and Ronda Rousey. That's it. And uh, Lauren Cohen from The Walking Dead, and that fella off the raid, um, and a bunch of other people. Right. Uh, it's bad. Um. The it's one of the most like annoyingly edited films I've seen in years. Um, I when I was chatting to a friend of mine uh, uh, after it, I invoked the infamous Liam Neeson gif where he's jumping over the fence and there's thirteen oh, cuts. Yeah, there's a conversation where Mark Wahlberg and Lauren Cohen are having a conversation over coffee, um, uh, like in the in the early preamble of the film, and it is headache-inducing because they are chopping. Uh, characters are cutting off their own sentences um, with the way it's edited. And and it's not done in any kind of way that's like, this is being done for stylistic purposes. It's just, I, I don't know, to make, a, to make the film seem, I don't know, uh, more faster paced or more energetic. It's absolutely awful. The, the, and the Mark Wahlberg character, um, following on from, from the Predator review last week, I don't know if it's, if it's explicitly supposed to be this, but I think his character is supposed to be on the spectrum. His character is that he's like a, um, a, a genius to an abnormal degree, but he is the most irritating, um, antagonistic, painful character uh, uh, ever. Just short with everyone, snippy with everyone, but he's a genius. So that's why he's that's why he's the protagonist. Um, uh, just just really 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 uh, messy. Uh, uh, editing. There was there's a scene where there's a shootout in an apartment complex, and I genuinely I just could not tell what was happening. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is standing at one end of a hallway. There's a cop pursuing him at the other end of the hallway. They're exchanging uh, shitty um, uh, barbs, and then a grenade is thrown, and I honestly could not tell who threw the grenade in which direction. Um, uh, because of how the film was edited, you just see a, a grenade go down the hall. They're talking, they're talking. You know, they're shouting down at each other, kind of backs to the wall. You know, a standoff. You know, like a, you know, in, a, in an action movie. And then there's a, a, a you see a grenade flying down the hall. It's like, I, which side did that come from, and which which person is it going towards? Um, it's it's brutal. It's really brutal. It's it, there's and there's several instances like that where you can't really tell what's happening. Um, there are some cool fight scenes. Um, uh, uh, the you know obviously involvement from anyone from the raid is always a good sign, but it's tampered by just the absolute uh, abysmal editing. The other thing as well is that it's it's um it's a a very stupid script, a very 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 stupid script uh, that tries to have like uh, jokes, but the jokes are pretty much just uh, Mark Wahlberg and his his band of black ops secret agents. Kind of going to people, hey, go fuck yourself, uh, uh, or you, you can't, you can't do that. Uh, fucking make me fucking not do it, you fucking prick. Like that's that's their that's their oh, script. Um, really dreadful. And then the um, it has a plot device where uh, after the events of the film, uh, Mark it, it cuts uh, in between the events of the film and Mark Wahlberg kind of being debriefed afterwards. Like so, he's talking about this. And if you're not familiar with the plot of the film, the the this. 
you know, technically not the U.S. agents. They're like a black ops team who are operating for the government, but kind of outside of the jurisdiction of the government, if you get me. It's one of the, you know, black mm-hmm. ops secret agent type thing. Um, and they're trying to extradite uh, uh, this guy uh, from this Asian country. He's in to the U.S., and they're trying to do that so that he will give them some passcode for some nuclear weapons or whatever the fuck, right? And uh, so that's that's your action movie premise. And then they're cutting back and forth to Mark Wahlberg being um, uh, debriefed. And he's talking just about how, uh, you know, who's the bad guys? Who's the good guys? You know, the game keeps going. You know, uh, they're, they're having shootouts with the local police in this movie. And it's I couldn't help but think this is like a pound shop Sicario. It's like it's like Sicario written by an idiot. Right. <laughs> uh, four idiots. Um, yeah. So that was that was rubbish. Um, Can I just mention to you, work. by the way, maybe to both of you guys, because we're all, you know the raid, fantastic film. Um, we all love. Did you know that Gareth uh, Evans, who directed the raid, has a yeah. new movie coming to Netflix in about two weeks? He does? Oh, yes, he does. The, um, Called Apostle, starring Dan Apostle, Stevens. Apostle, yes. And it looks mental. Yeah, so I'm going to check that out. <laughs> so in case listeners liked The Raid but didn't know that, yeah, he's got a new movie coming out. Um, I think it's his first movie since since The Raid 2. So uh, nice days. Step away from the franchise for a bit. And obviously it's going to be in English, as Dan Stevens and Michael Sheen, I think, is going to. Yeah. Very much looking forward to that. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll have. Uh, I'm sure we'll be chatting about that when it's out. That's. Uh, I saw. I saw. I just saw the trailer for that for the first time there. Um, oh, yeah, I actually, I think they, they just put out one for the first time last week. Yeah, it looks uh, crazy. Uh, we'll talk about that for sure. Uh, yeah, so that was Mile Twenty Two. Don't even, don't even go see it if you like action movies and can stomach a stupid script. If you like action movies and can stomach a really stupid script, go see The Predator. Like that's that has enough positives to overcome the negatives. Mile Twenty Two is just. It's just so annoying. Like that's that that was the word I would use. It's like outwardly annoying that movie. Um I saw today I saw A Simple Favor, which is Paul Feig's new movie. Um Ooh. who I constantly get confused with Kevin Feig. This is not a Marvel Cinematic Universe film. Um it's um it's uh a, a, the new film from a fella who makes movies for like single moms. Um <laughs> The single mom's uh, cinematic universe. I don't think I've ever so, heard of um, this movie. I had never heard of it either, literally until I saw it um, on Odeon listings, because I was looking for something to see. And it's kind of crazy, because it's Paul Feig, who is successful, mm. and helmed a lot of, you know, some well-regarded films, other films that are not well-regarded, but generally has been, you know, something of a moneymaker, to the best of my knowledge, um, uh, in recent memory. It's got Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively, you know, two reasonable. Anna Kendrick's a big star, you know. Um, and I heard, I knew, genuinely knew nothing about this other than the, the stars, basically. Um, so the premise is that Anna Kendrick is a sort of introverted, mousy, uh, single mother, um, kind of a do gooder, kind of a bit of a nerd. Um, and she's a, a, a vlogger, a mommy vlogger. She makes YouTube videos about, you know, recipes for your kids' lunchbox, you know, sandwiches. Um, and her- <laughs> when is she boxing Logan Paul? Is that the end of the movie? Or? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and she, her son uh, befriends Blake Lively's son in, in school. And Blake Lively is kind of this like hot mess kind of loves her son, but isn't, isn't a great mom. <sighs> Uh, drinks like you know uh, day drinks all the time and she has this um, you know this really kind of nihilistic personality and sure enough opposites track they become great buddies and uh, then the the Blake Lively character goes missing and it kind of goes from a kind of Paul Feige quippy uh, kind of uh, moms doing drinks comedy into a kind of a dark kind of thrillery kind of thing where Anna Kendrick befriends and maybe more uh, the husband the Blake Lively husband um, and then the circumstances surrounding the Blake Lively uh, character's disappearance and also a, a secret life she led uh, uh, becomes kind of the, the the thrust of the film and and it, it's it was honestly it was quite good it was a, it's a little bit god girly which I think none of us on this show liked uh, <laughs> But um, but obviously, as you can as you can imagine, because of the the people involved in that and the people involved in this, it's a little lighter, um, and it's a little um, it's going for more kind of darkly comedic in places, but also going for a bit more of a kind of a sincere thrillery kind of vibe in places. It's it's odd. I I wasn't blown away by it, but I would say it is a it is a solid watch. If you are if you are looking for something to see in the cinema and you don't want to see you know Mile Twenty Two, um, it's good. It's good. Good performances in it. Uh, the jokes mostly missed. There's a couple of hits, uh, but it, I, I kind of more enjoyed it as a bit of a, a, a kind of a, a quirky thriller more so than a comedy. Um, mm. But um, it was all right. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I, I went as the, the solid three stars on the old letterbox. Um, uh, not, not anything to go out of your way to see. But if you are looking for something to see, and you know you don't like some of the other options, it's uh, it's a worthwhile watch. <laughs> so it's good. And uh, two two great performances at the center of it, obviously, Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. So, uh, thumbs up for that one. Um, yeah, and that's those are my uh, those are my movies. Stuff. Um, I've seen a few movies. Um, so first of all, uh, looking for something to watch on Netflix. Um, decided to watch Bridget Jones's Baby, uh, the third installment in the Bridget Jones. Uh, universe is that since the christening um, you're, you're in a, a baby mood maybe it's all the oh oh actually michelle michelle suggested we watch it that's um, yeah. is she trying to drop hints uh, is that what's happening oh god um yes yeah, so we popped this on i haven't actually seen the second one right uh which i think is called edge of reason so i wasn't exactly sure what to expect coming into this one uh and what what happened with bridget and her various uh you know romances um yeah we watched this one i mean it's a silly ridiculous silly movie that shouldn't exist but it's also you know kind of entertaining i'll give it yeah it's it's not horrible there's (laughs) some bits in it which are so so silly so well bridget jones gets pregnant obviously hence the baby in the title and then towards the end of the movie she goes into labor and her and colin firth are going to the hospital being driven in this little car by an Italian waiter who works in the restaurant that they frequent. And it is possibly the silliest thing. Sillier, sillier than anything in Paddington 2. I'll put it that way. Right. Um, yeah, it was kind of fun. And there's good cameos in it. Uh, yeah. Thumbs, thumbs in somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where. 
thumbs somewhere. Um, I remember, so I remember right. liking that one more than the second one. I didn't really like the oh. second one. Oh, you've seen them all, have you? I've seen them all. I talked about them on, that show, on this show not that long ago. Oh, God. Oh, I thought that was you. Yeah, I can't remember. Mm. Um, yeah, sounds all right. Uh, we then watched a documentary on Netflix called Reversing Roe, uh, which is about um, Roe versus Wade and the history of abortion law in America. Yeah. Mm. Um, very topical given the potential changes to the Supreme Court in America. Um, it's this very good, enlightening kind of documentary. Um, if you don't know the history of, of how it all came about, and not only that, but the kind of challenges to it and changes that have happened to the law kind of since, I think it was in the 70s, it was the 60s, it was enacted, but yeah, uh, since, since it was. Um, obviously, kind of interesting perspective. Um, obviously, in the UK, we've, abortion's been illegal since the 60s, and it's not really much of a strong debate to change that at all. Um, obviously... Ireland very different only just kind of had the referendum to uh, make abortion legal and America I guess kind of in the middle it's it's been legal for a long time but there's always been this kind of debate and uh, pull and push between the two sort of political camps um, so yeah interesting documentary uh, worth checking out you know it's typical of those kind of well-made uh, Netflix documentaries that you'll see on there uh, but yeah Interesting, interesting documentary. Yeah, I've just, I've just added that now on my, on my old Netflix list. That that sounds yeah. interesting. Um, Maniac got added to Netflix today. Any of y'all thinking of watching that? That's that Emma Stone thing. I believe yeah, that's I supposed to be very good. good. Yeah, I've heard it, the, the trailer was certainly good. I'll, I'll I've added it to the list. Um, yeah, re- we'll report back with that for sure. But and uh, maybe I'll, I'll check out Reversing Robe before then as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, what else have you got for, for TV for movies well, right this week? Well, I have one more, which is a little movie you might have heard of called Avengers Infinity War. What? Uh, so I finally saw it. It became available to, to rent online. Um, so it was quite good. It's fun seeing all the lads together. Um, seeing Doctor Strange and your Robert Downey. It was probably the least boring of the three Avengers movies, but Definitely. to be honest, um, oh, hang on. Oh, hang on. He's about oh, to say he doesn't think the movie is that good, and right when he's are coming here to take him away. Take. A hot take. No, I was just going to say I did get pretty bored during the second half. <laughs> it's it's a long old movie, and I uh, long it is. I just I just stopped caring. It's like oh god, who cares? It's just the kind of novelty of seeing them all together sort of wears off a bit, and then I just sort of lose interest. I don't care about the the stakes. I don't care if they half the planet gets vanished by the Phil Mitchell villain. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, and also I find they, they have so many kind of one-liners and comedy in it, even when this one's a bit darker and even at times where it's really kind of serious and they're in a battle and stuff, it's just constant. Like it's like watching big bang theory at times, yeah. the, all these kind of gags in it. It should have a, you know, a laughter track and that kind of really annoys me as well. Um, I wish they could kind of just find a bit of a better balance between the, the you know, the jokes and the, the stakes. They, they don't So yeah, it was fine. I'll watch the, I'll watch the next one as well, but probably 
won't enjoy it. <laughs> if I was, I'll still keep drinking that garbage. There, there was, <laughs> uh, there was, there was too much comedy for my liking in 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 the third one. Um, because like it's they're supposed to be their you know it's their dark chapter in it, and it's it's. And so I, I was not that I didn't want no jokes, but it's like the volume was too high, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, just and at times where it doesn't make any sense. I like mean, Doctor Strange and Iron Man were fighting off the, the one guy, and they're saying they just, just do these jokes back and forth. And Hulk's trying to turn into the Hulk, and he can't do it. And it's like, yeah. oh, you're, embar- you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. Also, <laughs> the world is about to end. By the way, <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was fine. But I, yeah. I honestly, I would honestly say. I was more invested in Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. Than oh, I there's a take. <laughs> I would rather watch that again. I thought that was a, just a better movie. Anyway, that's my hot take for the week. That's good stuff. On the on the superhero note, did you all see the, 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 the screen test for, for Joaquin Phoenix or whatever it was? Oh, no. Uh, they just put out like like literally like 20 seconds a little vignette of uh, Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. Uh, it's it's just it's literally just kind of a reveal of here's what he'll look like in the film. It's cool. It's it's on the, yeah. the Warner Brothers Pictures Twitter. It's cool. I I think that movie seems like shockingly promising. Um, uh, from a director who I struggled to kind of get a read on. I looked at his filmography and it was like, yeah, weird. I saw you when you tweeted that. I hadn't realized. Yeah. I kind of knew yeah. he'd done the Hangover, and I've not seen any of them. But he also did uh, Old School, which I really really love. And um, uh, War Dogs, which is like quite a good film as well. Well, yeah, weird. Weird, weird exactly. Yeah, it's like an unusual collection. Like because like the Hangover one, I really enjoyed. Like those sequels. Like, um, he's he's was he? I think he directed A Star Is Born, which is out soon. Which is the Lady Gaga. No, he, I don't think he directed that. Oh wait, no, he Bradley. Wrote, oh, he produced it. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. Bradley Cooper wrote. You know, Bradley Cooper directed yeah. and starring in that. My bad. Yeah, but Todd Phillips is involved in some capacity. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's a it's a weird name to be making this, but the little thing they put out was interesting. I thought the set photos looked interesting. I think Joaquin Phoenix is obviously a great actor. Um, yeah, it's like I said, it's just a short clip, but it's um, it's interesting. And then also those people writing the Harley Quinn Joker movie <laughs> gave an interview and just oh boy, <laughs> I hope that thing never gets made. Sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. That's uh, Paul. What are you seeing? Yeah, I just saw one movie this week: uh, Black Klansman, uh, which I think is probably one of the best movies I've seen this year. Um, yeah, I think I, I put it at number three of the year after uh, Coco, which is still my number one. I, I don't think anything's going to be Coco for me this year. Uh, Coco and I, I love dogs. Then I have Black Klansman. Um, funny that Predator is out at the moment because I thought Black Klansman felt a little bit like a Shane Black film in that it was kind of a dark comedy I suppose you could call it um, I thought the performances were very good in it I thought it was very funny but at the same time was kind of impacting and and serious especially at the very end I don't it's god I don't remember the last time I, I, I such, heard such deathly silence in a cinema um, and yeah, this is my first Spike mo- uh, <laughs> Spike Lee movie I've ever seen, and 
I thought it was extremely good. I liked all the performances in it. I even liked Topher Grace, who I don't think I've seen since Spider-Man 3 as uh, yeah. David Duke. I, I, quite, I think I quite liked everybody in it. And um, yeah, it, it was almost like a caper. It was almost, like I say, it, it reminded me a lot of the nice guys, which I really liked. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, definite recommendation. One of my favorite movies of the year. I thought it looked great. I thought it sounded great. Um, God, I, I, I would struggle to really have a criticism about it. Um, yeah, I liked. Uh, yeah, Topher, <laughs> Topher Grace was is one of those actors who, whenever he's in something, you spend about twenty minutes going, "Is that Topher Grace? <laughs> <laughs> is that Topher Grace?" Because he was in. Uh, he, was he in Crazy Stupid Love? I haven't seen it. So I'm gonna George say he is in it. Love. Anyway, yeah, he's he's one of them. Anyway, but um, yeah, no, it's great. I really, I really like that. Um, I still need to see Coco. Still need to see that. Oh, Coco, Coco is wonderful. Oh, oh yeah, Magic, it looks Magical. it looks great. It looks great. I, I I'll I'll add it to the list, brothers. You, you uh, get the get the old Kleenex out for when you watch it, though. Because you, know, you have a little, you get a little tear on, so you will. A little one. Oh, I love, I love getting my little tear on. Uh, anyway, uh, speaking of getting a little tear on, I have to go away from Mike for a second. Do you guys want to do your emails there while I go do something? Yeah. Not have that. Not have a wank. Emails. Yeah, gotcha. Um, hang on, I've got two emails. So, first email's from Will. He says subject. Oh Jesus Christ! Excuse me. <laughs> subject uh, gorilla versus bear Joe what would win in a fight gorilla or a bear um, first thing is he doesn't specify what kind of bear right so are we talking koala bear panda bear boo boo uh, from yogi bear Padding, Paddington um, I assume he means a grizzly bear um, yeah, when I when or black bear. When someone says bear to me, that's what I picture. Yeah, grizzly or black bear, even polar bear at a stretch, they're kind of big or big bears. Um it's a tricky one. I would say the gorilla's probably stronger. I just feel like gorilla's stronger, but bears got the big teeth and the big claws. Right. So I'm going to, I'd say on the balance of things, I'd go for the bear. Um, but obviously it depends on the, in, the individuals involved. Because uh, it could be quite a timid gorilla and a, and a vicious bear or the other way around. Well, all even, like let's say the aggressiveness of the animals is equal. Okay. I'd probably go for a gorilla over a bear. What? Why? Go- what, what gorilla is just... Built for battle, you know what I mean. Built for war. A bear is a little bit more of a. Yes, I've you know I've seen the the, the revenant, whatever. But I just think. I don't know. I just think of. I just think a, a gorilla is is a little bit more of a a, a a little bit more dangerous than a bear. I mean, you you've seen all those old wrestler wrestler versus bear gimmicks. Never see wrestler versus a gorilla though, because they get killed. Yeah, where would they get one? The zoo or something. I don't know. No. <laughs> I don't know. 
I mean, I'm just going to Google this. Gorilla versus Bear. Right. Oh, God. Joe Rogan's done a whole podcast about this. <laughs> or a te- well, a 10-minute clip. Okay, I'm ending this email now because we're getting into Joe Rogan podcast territory. And then we might start yeah. talking about uh, crisis actors. And um, how... Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, my second email is from Mr. Scott McAvoy. Well, he hold that boy. He says, another actor to Ooh. consider for your filmography. And they pick three. Uh, good evening, Joe. If you're going to pick another actor to watch the filmography of, might I suggest Kurt Russell? Um, good mix of horror, the thing, action, Escape from New York, and comedy, Overboard. Along with such classics as Tombstone, Tango and Cash, and The Hateful Eight. Um, that's a good suggestion. Um, Scott, I do like Kurt Russell. I've seen, I have seen The Thing, I've seen Overboard, I've seen Tango and Cash, I've seen The Hateful Eight, so I've seen a few of those. Um, my only worry is with Russell, has he been in a lot of shit in the sort of 90s when he wasn't working as much? Or maybe in the sort of 2000s? I don't know. That would be my only worry. I actually think he's got quite good filmography. I'm looking Let's at just it here. Like in the nineties, he's got uh, Stargate, Forrest Gump. Fair enough. Uh, executive decision. <laughs> Ooh, executive decision. Vanilla Sky. Um, he was in. Yeah, yeah, breakdown. Death Proof, Furious Seven, the best of the Fast and Furious. This, this isn't too bad. Um, the Thing is obviously great. Escape from New York. I don't know even if I would even consider that an action movie. To be honest, it's very slow, but it's very good. Very good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the voice in Fox and the Hound, Disney's 1981 animated classic. Um, yeah, I think Kurt, Kurt Russell might be a good one. Yeah. Actually, he's kind of got a similar... So he started off in the kind of 60s and 70s doing kind of comedy movies, a bit like Tom Hanks. Yeah. Uh, doing the kind of Disney movies as well. So I've seen a few of those. Yeah, good, good choice. I was actually thinking, looking at Todd Phillips... Um, it's only I've not seen any of the Hangover movies. Right. I've not seen uh, Due Date. Due Date with Danny Junior and yeah, with Danny Junior and Thingy. Yeah. Uh, and Starskin Hutch. So I've seen all the all of his other films. I don't know why I've never watched Starskin Hutch because it's got Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson. Yeah, it's not very good. Okay. Okay, fair enough. I think I've seen. Um, I think I've seen all his movies, yeah. apart from I, I. I have not seen Due Date either, but I've seen all the Hangovers. They're they're bad, mm. apart from the first one. The first one's quite good, and then the second one is just that again, and then the third one is not even that. Okay. And the Starskin Hutch is yeah. maybe maybe I'll do Felix. He's got yeah, he's got a Star is Born coming out, and he's got Joker coming out. So that's. Yeah. Well, I mean, he produced he produced the Star is Born. Oh yeah, he was in that one. But yeah, okay, so Joker coming out, so I'll definitely see that. And I did like War Dogs. I did like Old School. So you can, uh, ra- maybe rather than an actor, are you thinking of doing maybe a director back catalogue? Yeah, because I did um, Thingy. Uh, your man there. What's his name? Who? Uh, yeah, 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 uh, Fight Club. Uh, seven. Yeah, David Fincher. So yeah, I did him. I mean, which involved watching like two films. But anyway. Have you seen all, have you seen all of Chris Nolan's films? 
Yes, yes. Because right. I, I think I've done, I've done a few. I've seen done, done Chris Nolan, Wes Anderson. I've seen all of his. Yeah. I need to watch Paul Thomas Anderson films. It's just easier with directors, isn't it? They've only got like they don't have films. so many films in that. Yeah. It's not like watching The Rock's bloody cameo and Gem and the holograms or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Scott also has a pick three for us. Okay. He he says Samuel L. Jackson, right? Morgan Freeman, or Tommy Lee Jones. Ooh. Mm, I'm back. By the way. Um. Barry, who would win out of a fight between a gorilla and a bear? Uh, oh, um, a gorilla. There you go. Two one. Fuck. Fuck off. Uh, it was it was tough, but a gorilla gorillas have the sensibility and the and the maneuverability. Sensibility. Yeah, they have the thinking power, and also their their joints are more mobile and adjustable whereas a bear is raw power but it he doesn't have the dexterity nor the intelligence you know what i mean right well i'm smarter than a gorilla i wouldn't win in a fight well yeah because the the because the, because the power you know differential is so huge between I, you and the gorilla whereas the power differential the bit <laughs> the the bear has more power than the gorilla but not that much you know what i mean but it's got flaws and teeth well, yeah, like I said, it has an advantage for sure. But okay, fair enough. Fair anyway, enough. Samuel L. Jackson versus a bear. What are we talking about here? Oh yeah, um, pick one. I think Morgan Sam Freeman Jackson for Jackson. me. Sam Jackson. Uh, yeah. He's in all them Tarantino films. He's in. Uh, he's in the the Marvel films. Um, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Uh, Robocop, not the good one. Uh, he was in. Uh, well, he's obviously those Star Wars movies which are all bad he was in uh, what else um, Die he's Hard in, 3 he's in The Incredibles There are 3 yeah that's not bad Kingsman, that right? Kingsman he was in uh, Unbreakable um Kong Skull Island. Kong Skull Island, which I, I liked. It's quite good. It's yeah. quite good. He's in The Other Guys with The Rock. They're very funny in that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Morgan Freeman, obviously, was in... March, He's, of, uh... March of the Penguins. <laughs> he was in the Batman films. He, he's got Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Unforgiven, yeah. Shawshank Redemption, Seven... Uh, Deep Impact uh, Bruce, Bruce Almighty of course the Dark, Knight, the, Dark, the Dark Knight trilogy yeah I mean Lego movie he's he's got a good one but I think Jackson gets it on quantity can I just let point out though Tommy Lee Jones right was in Batman Forever that might be the best film on any of their lists uh, yeah, it, uh, I, I think I think Tommy Lee Jones is the easy loser here. Yeah, he's done some good stuff. He I did. Mean, I mean, Batman Forever, notwithstanding, he did that one gif where he didn't laugh at the award show. I quite enjoyed that. Oh yeah, that was good. What's Tommy Lee Jones been in? He's no, he was in um, No Country for Old Men. He was in the Men yeah. in Black films. Uh, 
Batman yeah. Forever. What else has he been in that I can think of him for? He was in... <laughs> I'm stumped. I, I, think he, I think he's the easy loser. I think it's between Freeman Jackson and Freeman, and I think I might have to go Jackson. Yeah. He's got the Tarantino, and he's got the Marvel, you know. Yeah, I, I'll go Sam Jackson as well. Because it's Sam Jackson, for God's sake. He's in Pulp Fiction. In that. Come on. Yeah, Sam, Sam Jackson. Very good. Yes, that's my emails. Okay. I have an email. Go for it. Uh, he says, from Scott, he says, with the New Japan talent starting to make its way over to your island, who is left from over there that you haven't seen yet and you'd like to see make it over? Because of the ROH shows I've seen live, uh, I've seen most of NXT and even Okada made the tour last year, but I still have not seen Kenny Omega in person yet. Uh, so yeah, we're lucky enough to have seen Kenny Omega, of course, mm-hmm. uh, previously. Uh, and in uh, about two weeks, or three weeks rather, we're going to be getting uh, Kojima, Goto, Suzuki, uh, uh, Naito, Evil, so that uh, more more New Japan wrestlers on this OTT show than you can shake a stick at, than you can shake a hurl at. Uh, the big one I would say that we're, we haven't had yet is Okada, uh, and I'd say that's a that's a stadium headliner on your own right there. Uh, so, so I'd say he's pretty much top of the of the request list, and honestly, I think that's it. We've seen, we've seen pretty much everyone else that promotion has to offer. I think Paul, and this is someone obvious. I forget, like Tanahashi, maybe. Um, uh, you know, I'd say even even if it was a non-title, even if it was a, just a throwaway thing that was never referenced in New Japan, you know, again, like if they did a Tanahashi Okada match here, like that would be that would be crazy. Um, yeah, other than those two, I think I don't think there's anyone left really that we're we're, we're aching to see. Um, uh, hmm. Let me think. Jericho. Ah, I've seen Jericho before. Not in OCT, obviously, but yeah, elsewhere. Um. I mean, yeah, Okada and Tanahashi are obviously the big ones. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Yeah, I'm when, you, when you think when you think about it, after this one coming up, I mean, God, we've seen we'll have seen Naito and Naito and Evil and, and Sonata, and we've now we're getting Ishii for the third time this year in October. Like that's mad. Maybe if they can have a word with Kabashi and get him out of retirement. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's 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 the reach we're doing at that point, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So uh, thank you, Scott. He says, here's uh, one of the tougher wrestler pick threes. Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, or Kurt Hennig? Uh, well, one of them is a murderer. So I'm going to say <laughs> that I'm going to... So he's silly disqualified. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I Okay, I'll be honest. Never really much of a Kurt Hennig, man. Uh, I think Hennig was, was very good in his early run. In like the very early nineties, I think in WCW he was kind of broken down by like the late nineties. Um, whereas Eddie Guerrero in WCW was doing mad stuff, you know. Eddie Guerrero really, before he kind of 
like came to WWE and became a, a character wrestler for want of a better term. I thought he was really a tremendous cruiserweight. And uh, yeah, I think then later on he really developed a niche for himself and kind of got himself over to a, a mad degree. Something that Benoit and Henning, Henning to an extent, never really accomplished. Um, so I think I would have to go Guerrero on that one. Yeah, I, I think I'll go Guerrero as well. Mm, I mean, I don't want to pick Benoit because of the whole murder thing, but he probably did have the best collection of matches. I go, I go, Guerrero. But the point is that you have to now watch them for the rest of your life, or whatever the thing is. Oh, that's true. All right, Guerrero then. Yeah, yeah Benoit had some good matches, to be fair. Um, yeah, and then he won the title and feuded with Kane for like couple of months remember that that was the first main event of a house show that I ever attended or was was the main event of the first house show I ever attended it was Chris Benoit versus Kane they did not have a five star classic needless to say no um is it my turn then yep uh yeah right uh Scott continues after sending me his, his album recommendations he says before Matt Hardy married his wife he dated a woman named Kara I tweeted to Rebby Sky and asked her if she knew Matt was sleeping with Kara again and then he <laughs> puts in brackets which Kara had said to her soon to be ex-boyfriend I don't know how Scott has come across this information what is this what is this this is apparently as for the subject a quick Matt Hardy story right so uh, she, being Rebby Sky, she motherfucked me on Twitter, and I had a laugh and went on with my day. <laughs> the next day, the story came out about Rebby and Matt getting into a physical fight at their hotel, and I've always wondered if I caused that fight. I didn't notice she blocked me on Twitter for a good six months. Scott McAvoy getting his little nose in there and other people's business, by God. Little stir, so little stir, McAvoy. He also gives us a a, a wee twenty questions. If you guys want to get your thinking caps on quickly, Uh, we got wrong the truth killings and loads of wrestling to do. Do you want to hold that to next week? Well, wrong truth killings only going to be a quick one. I've only got five. Mm. Mm. I tell you what, we'll do ten questions. How about that? (laughs) That's just. We might have got it in under 10 anyway. Well, let's see if you do. Okay, quick. 10 questions. Um, are they still active? No. Uh, um, are they dead? Yes. Uh, were they? Did they ever wrestle for WWE? Yes. Uh, were they ever world champion? No. Not in WWE. Uh, were they ever world champion in WCW? No. No. Is it a man? It's a man. Did they ever hold a title in WWE? Yes. Uh, were they active in the Attitude Era? Uh... I will Between s- 97 and 2001. Yes. 
Uh, did they hold the tag team titles? Uh, tag team title, no. One more question. Uh, oh, <laughs> did they hold the Intercontinental title? Yes. Okay. Okay. George thinks it's maybe Ahmed Johnson. He's still alive. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> so it's a dead okay. man who has held the Intercontinental title. And was around in the Attitude Era, uh, give or take. He, he wasn't around uh, for the entire Attitude Era. I'll give you a clue with that. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, yes, held the title. Uh, he's dead. Um, British Bulldog. I, I can give okay, you an extra clue. I'll give you an extra clue, okay, since there's only well, 10. Okay. Uh, he has already been mentioned on this podcast today. <laughs> Okay. Um, uh, it must be Mr. Kurt Hennig. Right. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, we'll ask that. Is it Kurt Hennig? It's not Kurt Hennig. Ah, losers ah. today. No, it was um, it was Rick Rude. Ah. Rick Rude. Bar- Barry that said at the beginning of the episode that he was very much the Rick Rude of the podcast. I, I did. Oh, okay. I've got an email about him. Um, yeah, we... Uh, yeah, sorry. We we would have got that if we had more time, but we're we're, we're ten we're more questions. These, we're gonna try and crack down on these run times, you know. So uh, yeah, that's fair. But thank you, Scott. Very much appreciated. Speaking of uh, speaking of quizzes, then I suppose it's time for a little wrong. The truth killings. <laughs> so this is the quiz for people who are new to the show. This is a quiz where I choose a topic. And then give the guys five examples, and they have to tell me, are they real, the truth killings, or are they made up wrong? I did that in the wrong order. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, This week's topic is WWF jobbers or players from the 1968 FA Cup final. Oh, God. (laughs) Between West Brom and Everton. Okay. Oh my god. So I'll give you um, a name and you will tell me <laughs> are they a WWF jobber or did they play in that FA Cup final? So we'll go first uh, with um, Barry because he's been on the losing end lately. So we'll give him the advantage <laughs> first and then the, we'll. Uh, the entire run. Uh, and then we'll we'll alternate we'll alternate with um, who goes first. Are we not doing it? Are we not doing it anonymously on Twitter? No, we did uh, the ABBA uh, rule last uh, time, so we just go back uh, and forth this one, all right? So uh, Barry is up first. Okay. And Barry, the name is Brian LeBone. <laughs> uh, I will say. So if I say the truth, is that that they are a jobber. Yes. Okay. Uh, Brian Labode. Uh I will say the truth. Okay, Barry says that that is the truth. Joe. Wait, it's truth is there. Truth is is that they're a <laughs> WWF jobber, yeah. yes. Uh, I'm going to say wrong. Wrong. Ooh. Number two, Ron Shaw. Joe, you're up first in on this one. Ron Shaw. Ron Shaw. Um, oh fuck! Yeah, I'm sure. I'm gonna say truth. Barry. 
I'll say wrong. Wrong on Ron Shaw. Number three, Mike Bell. Barry. Uh, the truth. The truth. Joe, Mike Bell. Mike Bell. Um, I'll say wrong. Wrong on that one. Okay, number four, Joe. Graham Lovett. Um, I'd love it if we beat him. Um, <laughs> I go. I go wrong. Wrong, Barry. I'll go wrong as well. Wrong yeah. as well. And then number five, Les Thornton. Barry. Uh, I'll say the truth. The truth, and Joe. Uh, truth. Truth as well. Okay. So I'll go through the list now, and we'll see. Who is this week's winner? Has Barry finally got the victory that he's been craving for so long? So number one, we said Brian LeBone. Uh, Barry said that that was the truth, that that was a WWF jobber. Joe said, wrong, player from the 1968 FA Cup final. (laughs) Brian LeBone was the Everton captain uh, on that day. So that's 1-0 to Joe. Ah, fuck! Number two. Oh, number two. Ron Shaw. Ron Shaw. Joe said that that was the truth, meaning he was a WWF jobber. Uh, Barry said knew that was wrong. Uh, Ron Shaw with a winning record of thirty-five wins and two hundred and three defeats, a WWF jobber. So that is two nil to Mm. Joe. Uh, number three Mike Bell Barry said that that was the truth and Joe said that that was wrong Mike Bell with a record of one win and 79 defeats WWF jobber that makes it 2-1 now to Joe alrighty alrighty Graham love it Joe said that that was wrong (laughs) and Barry said that that was wrong Graham Lovett was West Brom's number seven on that day. Uh, Both incorrect on that one. Okay. And then number five, Les Thornton. Barry said that that was the truth. And so did Joe. And you are both correct. With 25 wins, but 107 losses. So that means that the score for this week is Barry with two and Joe with three. Very close, close victory this time. Was it? Was it really? Anyway, three two. Um, I have a few tiebreakers here. If you just want to play, play for fun. Uh, Shout out the answers. What you think, Charlie Brown? (laughs) Jobber. Uh, Jobber is correct. John Osborne. Uh, Footballer. Footballer. He was the West Brom goalkeeper. And Steve King. Uh, footballer. Steve King, WWF jobber. <laughs> Ooh. There you go. There's Ron the Truth killings for this week. I'm, I, I'm, the struggle is not making the quiz, but trying to come up with new topics for it every week. So we get a little yeah. bit more and more obscure. Um, 
Alrighty, yeah, I suppose we can do a little bit of wrestling talk then to close out the close out the show. Yay, little bit of it. Uh, did anybody watch anything from Hell in the Cell? I did. I yeah. also did. I watched the Jeff Hardy Randy Orton match. That, I that also did match. Snuff film of a match. I thought it was excellent. It was brilliant, I thought. I, yeah, I didn't the, expect a match that good out of Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton, and yet here we are. That was, that was the match that everyone was kind of looking at going, why is it even Hell in a Cell? You know what I mean? It's like, like, we... it's like the best Cell match I've seen in a decade or so. Yeah, Randy Orton was all fucked up after he had bleeding all over his back. Uh, they were whipping each other with Jeff Hardy's emo... Uh, 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 Rar, that means I love you in dinosaur belt. His studded um, belt, yeah. His studded belt that he wears at 41 years of age. Um, uh, and that was bloody in the two of them up. They, of course, did the absolutely grotesque screwdriver spot with Jeff Hardy's earlobes. Have you seen this what spot, are... Joe? No, I haven't. Oh, my God. One of the God. most vile things I've ever seen in a wrestling. Like legitimately more disgusting than anything you'd ever see in like a deathmatch clip. Like I was nearly oh, ill watching it. I was, it was horrible. The crowd were like crying. I need to show this to Natty by the way. She's not seen it. She might be sick though. Looking at it. Oh no. So Randy Orton took a screwdriver and put it in. Like Jeff Hardy's got those stretched earlobes because he wears the whatever they're called gauges. So he put the screwdriver in through the ear hole. And started twisting it around. And I thought, oh my god, he's going to tear this lad's ear hole open. It was absolutely disgusting. But it was a uh, hell of a match. Oh my god. And the finish, other than Orton moving too quick, the finish was great. Basically, Jeff climbs a ladder. And he grips onto the top, to the roof of the cell from the inside. Orton's on a table. And he starts swinging like a pendulum. And then he releases on the backswing to kind of do a splash through a table, but Orton moves. Hardy goes through the table like head first, lawn darting the fucking uh, ring. Absolute madman killing himself in this match at 40 years of age. And the referee was like threatening to stop the match, but Orton insisted he count the pin. And so he counted the pin, and then Orton won. And Orton got a good bit of heat. He was cheered early, but he got a good bit of heat for that, so that was good. Um,. What else was there? So I, I I watched the first half of this show. So did you watch uh, Becky versus Charlotte? I didn't. I only watched the the Hell in a Cell with Orton Hardy. That's all I watched. I heard the Ronda match was good, but I didn't get a chance to check. It I, I I didn't I didn't watch the Ronda match. The, the Becky Charlotte match was good. It was like one of the best like actual matches, like not including a Ronda squash. Like it was one of the best women's matches on pay per view in ages. Okay. Uh, uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, Becky. Finish was a bit stupid. Like Charlotte went to spear Becky. Becky rolled through into a, like a, just a straight up regular cover and just pinned Charlotte clean for the for the win. First of all, I don't understand how she just took the spear and just rolled through it. That didn't look great. And then just pinning Charlotte didn't look great. Uh, and of course, everyone cheered and screamed and shouted and chanted for Becky because they loved her. And then after the match, Charlotte extends her hand and Becky goes over. And does the fake handshake where she whips her hand away and everyone cheered again, uh, which was great. Uh, she's supposed to be the heel, but whatever. Uh, so so there you go. And then uh, the uh, the Shield versus McIntyre and Ziggler was like the best Ziggler match in ages. It was great. Legitimately great tag team match. Um, yeah, I heard very good things about that as well. Uh, 
from those two as well. Yeah, not not a whole lot of takes really for the show because I'm I'm very disinterested in uh, in, in WWE's uh, stuff right now. So so I don't have very many takes, unfortunately. Um, yeah. What do you make uh, of the big red cage now that we've seen it in action? Uh, it was alright. It was all right. Yeah, it just it, I kind of felt like, even though I kind of said last week that you know I don't mind it, it kind of works thematically. Seeing it, I was just kind of like, oh, I wish it wasn't red. <laughs> I wish it was the old color, because you know steel you typically associate with being a certain grayish, silverish color. So I don't get why they mm. made it red, but whatever, it's fine. Also, Brock had a beard again, which I've been waiting for since. Yeah, he's, he's Kane Velasquez back. kicked him in half that one time. Yeah. Uh, so look, looking forward to Beardy Brock. And uh, Brock is apparently back at the behest of one of the Saudi princes. They say, either take my millions of dollars or I'll... You can finish that joke yourself in your own head. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, so they're doing Brock, Roman, Broad at the Trip, no, what's it called? Uh, Crown, Crown Jewel. In, in uh, the progressive city of Jeddah in in November. So that's that. Uh, Rey Mysterio is officially re-signed with WWE for a two-year deal. Uh, so you can expect him coming back soon. I Maybe he'll make his comeback at that uh, Saudi show. I don't know. Um, so we will see again. We'll see how that goes. We don't, we don't know what kind of schedule it'll be on or anything like that, so we'll see. Um, uh, Mahabali Shira, who I forgot was even with WWE, was released. Uh, the master of the Shira shuffle, of course. Oh, they'll never uh, never make the light of day on NXT, so that little finger yeah, dance. Did. WWE will, will never crack the Indian market at this point. No. Uh, if they continue to mistreat their top stars like that, uh, we so we have we have some interesting developments here with the Australian show that's happening in a few weeks. So Undertaker and Triple H are having a match, and Shawn Michaels is going to be in Triple H's corner. Kane, the mayor of Knox County, is going to be <laughs> in Undertaker's corner. And the big scoop is that this Australian match is to set up a match at the Saudi show where Sean will apparently be coming out of retirement to tag with Triple H against the Brothers of Destruction. That is mad, isn't it? Did, did any of you envision that this would be the culmination of the Shawn Michaels retirement? Facing, facing Kane and Undertaker in a tag match. In Saudi Arabia. For the in Saudi Arabia. Who would have thought that Shawn Michaels, a wrestler, would put his, you know his word, his very being on the line for the, the Saudi Arabia dollar. How can I look Shawn Michaels in his eye anymore? <laughs> as his other eye looks off in the distance. Oh, how, how, how can I trust anyone if I can't trust wrestlers anymore? One eye, one eye looking at the Bible, the other eye looking at that sweet, sweet dollar. <laughs> Oh my god! Why, why do they want Shawn Michaels so much though on this show, the Saudis? Because because they sent them a list of talent. <laughs> yeah, because they, they are marks, Joe. They are marks. That's they wanted, why. They sent, they sent a list of talent they wanted for the greatest Royal Rumble, and it read like 
the the princes, God bless them, haven't watched WWF <laughs> since 1994. Right? I don't blame them, no <laughs> and, and they and they must not have great internet over there because they they have to be informed. Actually, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow and Ultimate Warrior are dead as fuck. Um, so you're not getting them. Well, that's true because they don't know in Saudi Arabia that the Divas Revolution happened. Yeah, that, yeah, it's true. They don't they don't know that Stephanie McMahon has invented women's wrestling. They don't know that Ultimate Warrior is dead because he was he was asked for by name along with Yakuzuna. Uh, oh yeah, for, uh, <laughs> Yak, uh, Yakuzuna, he's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, um, so obviously they they, they made it was it was something mental like forty million dollars off the the first Saudi show. So obviously they're throwing around cartoonish amounts of money, and I say Shawn Michaels like when he's like come out of retirement, the Saudis want to. He's like no, it's like we'll give we'll literally give you two million dollars for this one match. He's like all right, so go on. Um, but yeah, so there you go. There it's you go. so bad. It's so, so bad. Meanwhile, Becky Lynch sits at home. Well, that's okay. <laughs> it's, I just can't believe that after all this, that that's going to be the culmination of his retirement. Is that he comes out that- for a stupid match in Saudi Arabia for infinite money in front of some... To wrestle Kane. Ugh, Kane. Not Daniel Bryan. Not AJ Styles. And also, Shawn Michaels got short hair now. So it's going to be doubly strange. Yeah, he, looks, so, you know? he looks so old. He looks so old. He really does. Uh, anyway, so there was that. And then that's really your, your wrestling news this week. Next week, I won't be here. Uh, I don't know if you two are going to do a show or what the... We're going to do a director's commentary of Starskin Hutch. Oh, <laughs> see, that actually sounds great. That actually sounds <laughs> Fine. But, uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, Todd Phillips' seminal work, Sarsky and Hutch. Um, I'll be at OTT Fan Appreciation Night being appreciated um, uh, back in mm. the old Tim Um uh, Yeah, so looking forward to that. Uh, they've got two matches on this show, Paul, that will set up matches for... The anniversary weekend. Yeah, uh, you got your your three way with Scotty Davis, Michael May, and Curtis Murray. The winner challenges Terry Thatcher for the NLW title on the get a look. Yeah, we talk about this. The Defiant pre show, right? Which is on the same day and in the same building as Defiant, but it's not. It's not the same show. Yeah. Okay. Because Defiant Two is an all women's show. OTT is very woke. And I can only assume that show is selling excellently. Um, but they have now added a quote-unquote free show to the beginning of Defiant 2, which will feature Shane Strickland versus Bandito. Um, can I get a ticket like, just for the pre-show? Yeah, so this is the, so obviously this is, you know, I guess the show must be struggling because they basically add, they've said, we're going to do, again, the, 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 the logical loopholes here are, are kind of funny. If you have a ticket to Defiant, you can go to a free pre-show, but again, it's in the same building and before the show. So basically what they've done is they've just made the show three matches longer, and one of the matches is like an international dream match. But does that mean that Defiant is now three matches shorter? Because my assumption is that the show is going to be the same length. It'll just start with... 
No, I don't think so. No, okay, I think okay. I think I think okay. I think I think they would either start the show early, or they'll just start the show a little early because I, you you didn't go to the fight, did you? The first one? No. Uh, the fight was the earliest ending Tivoli show ever. I think I was on like I watched the fight. Though. I didn't watch it on VOD. But live, it live, it was the earliest finishing Tivoli show ever. We were we were out the door by like quarter past nine. Um, okay. So so it, it, it so I reckon that they could probably start this show like a half hour earlier, get the three lads matches on for the quote unquote pre show, and still have the show end roughly on time with the the usual OTT end time. So yeah, so look, fair enough. Like the, the that show's obviously struggling. They had some talent going and begging. That's fine. Um, so you have your your. Terry Thatcher match then, and then also at the stadium they they're doing a five way gender neutral match for the championship where it's LJ defending against Mister Juicy, who I don't know who that is, uh, Paddy Morrow and Rocky Romero. Nice to see Rocky uh, Romero. To be fair, nice to see Rocky Romero. A little surprise addition to the card there, and also the winner of the Katie Harvey Raven Creed match that we're seeing on Sunday. So so yeah, there's your there's your two carryovers. Uh, I'm not going to run down the rest of the fan appreciation card, but they've said they're going to be, you know, building more stuff for the fourth anniversary show at that. So I'll report back next week. I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, seeing Shima in action and, and what have you. So, um, so yeah, very good. Uh, so the lads will be back next week. I don't know, doing a Starsky and Hutch commentary, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'll be back the week after talking about fan appreciation night. And uh, yeah, so um, I think it's going to do it really for this week. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you very much for listening, folks. If you want to contribute some albums for 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 Paul to possibly listen to, it's you know Paul from DSP on Twitter, or send us an email, chairshoppodcast.com. Send us an email, either about that or whatever you want to send us an email about movies, games, wrestling, local wrestling, international wrestling, WWE, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, uh, get in touch and I follow at Pod on Twitter as well for more updates. So uh, until then, it's going to be goodbye from me, Barry Murphy. It's going to be goodbye from Joe Tyler. Goodbye. Let's go to the fight. Just fun. Goodbye.